the Panhandle News Network. The views and opinions on this station do not necessarily represent the Panhandle News Network, WEPM and WCST, or West Virginia Radio Corporation. Here we go! Welcome to Panhandle Live on WEPM and WCST, the Panhandle News Network. Panhandle Live is brought to you by Country Roads Tire and Auto, taking you home with full-service auto care, with a higher level of care, with two locations to proudly serve you in Martinsburg and Hedgesville. Online, too, at CountryRoadsTireOnline.com. Here are your hosts of the 2022 WVBA Talk Show of the Year, Jordan Warner and Marcia Kavalik. It is Thursday the 30th. You're tuned in to Panhandle Live, driven by Country Roads Tire and Auto, taking you home with full-service auto care with a higher level of care. Visit them online at countryroadstireonline.com. Jordan Icewinter alongside me is Marsha Kavalik. How you doing, Marsha? I'm good. How are you doing? Good. Happy opening day. Yeah, and also with you. Yeah, are you excited? <laughs> you ready for your favorite team to do whatever they're going to do? I got to figure out who my favorite team's going to be. Who's, who should my favorite hey, team be? You're more than welcome to be a Nationals fan this year. They're not going to be very good, but it's a good time to get in on the ground floor. So then, here in the next couple of years, when they're good again, then you know you were there before. But we're also going to be going to see the the Orioles later this summer. So that's true. That's yeah. true. I well, got to got to tell them I've been a fan from way back. That's right. You, can you be, know, on opening opening day. Hey. Everybody's an Orioles fan if you're at Camden Yards, right? Everybody's an Orioles fan. All but right, so speaking the, of birds. Yeah, the, good segue. Thank you. All right, the cutest thing right now at WVMetroNews.com, if I do say so myself, is the screenshot that I put with the article about the Eagle Cam. <laughs> the Eagle Cam has been a happy distraction for us. And uh, here to tell us about it is Randy Robinson with the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service and National Conservation Training Center over in Shepherdstown. Uh, he's with Creative Services, History, and Partnerships. I hope I got all that right, but welcome in, Randy. Well, thank you, Marsha. Good to be with you. Uh, thanks for being in. Now, uh, We've we've got the we've got the eagle cam on right now. Yeah, the, it's facing a different way today. The, the the parenting eagle that is sitting in the nest right now is sitting. I'm assuming it looks like over top of the eaglet and the egg. But tell us what what we're seeing. That's right. It's brooding uh, a young eaglet, and today that eaglet is four days old. So it was hatched on on Sunday the twenty sixth. Um, there's still an egg in there. Uh, you may see it if folks are watching on the Eagle Cam from time to time. That egg, um, it, if it doesn't hatch today, it's probably not going to hatch uh, because this is day 40. So Eagle eggs typically take from anywhere from 35 to 40 days to hatch. So this is day 40 for that egg. And, uh, and, you know, it, it could be not viable. It could be not fertile. We just don't know. There's no way of knowing, really. But the good news is that we do have the one eaglet that hatched on Sunday, um, and it's doing very well. It's, it's very healthy, and folks can see it being fed. That's uh, really fascinating to watch. One, about every hour they, they feed the young eaglet. Yeah, we noticed that yesterday when we uh, popped it on. It almost uh, derailed our show, honestly, when it started uh, feeding the eaglet. But this might sound like a weird question, but why is this such a big deal? I mean, why are people watching this eagle? Why are you guys so invested in this eagle? 
Well, you know, this cam uh, has been up in the tree. This is actually the, the 20th uh, anniversary of the nest being built. So the nest was built by this bald eagle pair uh, in started in 2003. So the eagles and, made this big uh, nest? We put a camera up there two, year, two years later in 2005. And since then, it's really gathered a worldwide audience. Uh, people from all over the country and around the world are fascinated to watch eagles. This was one of the first cameras installed on a bald eagle's nest, but now there's probably 50 or so around the U.S. and Canada, um, and, of course, other types of wildlife cams, too. But it really gives people an insight into, you know, real nature. I mean, these are uh, totally wild birds. Um, uh, they're on their own. They hunt. They fish. They take care of their young. People are very impressed with how uh, good of parents adult eagles are. They just, uh, they're quite amazing, even through the worst kinds of weather. Snow, uh, sleet, rain, ice, they'll stay on the nest. They'll take care of the young. It's, and people are, are fascinated by that. I think that's the, the big draw to just have this view of nature that we've never had before. So you're telling me these eagles built this huge nest that we're looking at? It's amazing, isn't it? Um, and they be, they re or they add to it each year. So 20 years ago, it was a lot smaller. But part of their mating bonding ritual in uh, in November, December, January is to bring sticks in one at a time. They bring it in in their talons and they add to it. Uh, you may even see them do it occasionally now, even when they have young ones in. Um, so yeah, that nest is big. It's probably close to eight feet across and and five feet deep. And you know, of course, they have nice dry grass in the center of it for insulation and to, you know, to comfort the the eggs uh, uh, and the young ones. But yeah, it's a big nest. So I was I was doing a little bit of research uh, for my article for Metro News and um, kind of went around different uh, places that were referenced on the NCTC site. Um, and uh, the conversations about, um, you know, there's a discussion board. People talk about these, these uh, the eagle couple, and they refer to them uh, by name, Bella and Smitty. Is that really their, what, what they're called? Well, you know, we don't name them officially, but the folks that watch the, <laughs> the cam all the time do like to name them. And, and so, uh, yeah, Bella is the, is the female. She's the bigger of the two, by the way. Oh. And uh, folks know the male, the smaller eagle, as Smitty. And, by the way, it's interesting. Both male and female uh, sit on that nest. And right now, as I'm looking at it, it's the male that's on the nest. It's pretty hard to tell them apart. You know, they both have a white head. They both have white tail feathers. But if you see them together at the same time, the, the female is the larger of the two. Uh, she has a little bit bigger body mass. That helps her keep the eggs warm. They also take turns um, incubating and feeding, even though the female probably feeds uh, half, well, two-thirds of the time, I'd say. The male um, does feed. He, being a little smaller, he's a little more adept at catching fish, so he's a little more agile. So he will fly off to the Potomac River. It's only about a quarter mile from the nest. He'll get a fish. He'll bring it back to the nest. Um, and, of course, the female and the male, they, they will eat some too, but they'll feed little, little tiny little pieces, and you'll see them pull the pieces of the fish off with their beak. And very carefully give it to that young one. And, uh, yeah, like I said, about every hour 
uh, you can you can see that feeding going on. It's it's uh, fascinating to watch. Do they come back to this nest all year round? Like, can you pop on this eagle cam at any given time during the year and see an eagle in there? Maybe the way it works is the prime time for the nest is is January through June. Um, they lay eggs usually around mid February. Call it Valentine's Day. And in about 35 to 40 days later, they hatch around mid-March. And after that, um, they are in there constantly um, until mid-June when the young ones, it's amazing to think that the, that little eaglet that's in there right now um, will grow up to be adult size in just three months. Um, hard to believe, but that happens. Uh, uh, and then after June, um, you may see them in the nest occasionally, but mostly they're going to be down at the river, and the young ones have to learn how to fish and, and hunt on their own. So they are down at the river mostly after that, but you might see them in the nest uh, just occasionally. So the nest is mainly used during the, um, the egg-laying season, the you know brooding the eggs, and for rearing the young. And then after that, just occasionally you might, see a bird pop we see other birds uh, in there just out of curiosity sometimes hmm. uh, uh, uh black vultures will be seen in there um maybe an owl every now and then but the eagles this time of the year they're very protective of that nest and if any other birds come around they're going to raise a fuss hmm. uh larger birds i should say small songbirds don't bother them but anything larger that might be a predator of their eaglet or their eggs uh they are going to raise a fuss and uh and chase that bird away. So that nest looks uh, pretty substantial. We're speaking with Randy Robinson with the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service and the National Conservation Training Center. But if something happened to it, um, if the wind happened to blow it down, would would folks from the NCTC do any intervention, or is this just one of those things you let nature take take its course? Well, we um, do let nature take its course, but having said that, you know, we worry a little bit when we get big, strong winds. You can see how vulnerable that nest is up there. Uh, it's uh, nearly 100 feet up in the air. It's in the top of a big old sycamore tree. The tree itself is very healthy, and it's big, and it's large. Um, but around the country, um, you know, eagle's nests can get so large, it actually cause a tree to uh, become top-heavy and fall over, mm. especially if it's uh, very wet or, you know, full of wet snow or ice. It can get top-heavy. Now, this tree wouldn't topple over, but the main limb holding it up has been dead for some time. So uh, several years back, and by the way, we only do camera work. The camera that's up there, we have a a tree service company, a local fellow uh, who comes in and and does the work. Um, But we only do that in the fall when um, when they're not around the nest very much. And so what we did a few years ago, about 30 feet below the nest, we, we, we constructed a, well, it's really a crude platform is what it amounts to. It's made out of um, small limbs, uh, branches, and so on. Mm-hmm. And that would be if, uh, if the present nest did fail or, or fall, um, that would just give them a platform to rebuild on. So, you know, a little bit of a head start. But other than that, they're on their own. Now, of course, if, if something happened and, and we saw young ones on the ground that, you know, couldn't fly or something like that, we would, we would probably try to assist them or take them, take them to a veterinarian. 
um, Blue Ridge Wildlife Center would be the closest one to this area. Um, and but otherwise, um, you know, things have happened in the nest in past years where uh, young ones have passed away. You know, maybe from hypothermia or um, you know other natural causes. And the trouble with getting up and doing anything in the nest is if you if you do that this time of the year, you know, you could very well scare the adults away, and then the young ones wouldn't have any protection. Mm-hmm. So um, trying to help them by getting up in the nest is, you know, might might sound like a good or a nice thing to do, but, you know, it might do more harm than good in reality. Now, I've lived around this area for the most part my whole life, and I've seen bald eagles out in the western part of the state. I've seen, you know, different parts, but I've never noticed bald eagles necessarily around here. So, obviously, they're here, but what's kind of the the health status on, you know, bald eagles in this area? Well, they are coming back in a big way, um, and now if you go out on the Potomac or the Shenandoah, wouldn't be too surprising that you would see a bald eagle. Now, when I was a kid growing up in the 50s and 60s, I never saw a bald eagle. I mean, they were very rare. Uh, uh, and so, but, but young folks today, if they went out on a river or a lake around here, they'd have a much better chance of seeing because the populations are going up. It's really, you know, the bald eagle is our national symbol, but it's also a true conservation success story. Um, through, uh, you know, state efforts, uh, uh, NGOs, and, and the federal government. Over the past uh, 40 years, since DDT was banned, the, uh, the chemical DDT caused their eggshells to be too thin and fragile, and that's what caused the populations to go down. That was one of the big things. There are other elements, that uh, other factors, but DDT was banned in the 70s, um, of course, they've been protected by law since the 1940s, both bald and golden eagles. So the populations have risen in the last 30 years dramatically. We're seeing a lot of them in, in, in the eastern panhandle to the point where they're, um, they're competing with each other for uh, prime nesting uh, areas like this one and mates. We've seen it at this nest. We've seen it at nests in uh, the National Arboretum in D.C., nests around uh, you know, the mid-Atlantic area. Uh, there's competition, and usually it, you know, might be a young female who's. By the way, they don't get to be breeding age, mating age, until they're about four or five years old. That's when they get the white head and white tail feathers. When that happens, they're going to be looking for a mate or nest territory, and then um, sometimes conflicts can rise. Last year, for example, we didn't have any eggs because there was a uh, uh, there was a, a young female that came into this nest for about three weeks, and um, the she and the resident female had been fighting, and uh, we Home thought record. the young one was going to take over the nest. But three weeks later, the resident female came back and uh, took over the nest. But due to that, due to that uh, conflict, there were uh, there were no eggs laid last year. So we're extra happy this year to see uh, two eggs being have been laid. Bella stood her ground, stood by her man. <laughs> she did. So Randy Robinson with the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service and the National Conservation Training Center has been our guest. We have been just captivated watching the Eagle Cam. Uh, You can read the story at Metro News, of course, but how can folks find out more and uh, and how can they how can they help? Well, we do an online program this afternoon for uh, teachers, students or anybody that's interested in bald eagles. And that goes out on our live stream channel, and that's livestream.com slash nctc. 
Um, or they can go to the Eagle Cam itself um, and find that link. So we partner with our friends of NCTC and the Outdoor Channel. Um, the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service uh, supports us, of course, here at the at the training center. But the Outdoor Channel does the streaming for us. So if they if folks go to outdoorchannel dot com uh, slash live eagle cam, they'll find it, or they can search for NCTC Eagle Cam or Shepherdstown Eagle Cam, and that's probably going to come up. And we have two views now. You can choose a wide-angle view, or you can choose a close-up view of the nest, so that's extra nice. Uh, there's also a built-in rewind DVR function. Um, those are streaming on YouTube as well. But the comments, um, uh, all of the videos that folks post and almost the minute-to-minute, hour-to-hour uh, action that goes on in the nest, that's all documented on the Outdoor Channel. There's a, uh, there's a chat function there, and folks also post really fantastic photographs and video clips of the eagles and everything that goes on in the nest. So uh, that's the best way to keep up with it. Well, Randy, I appreciate you taking some time to chat with us, and uh, thank you. Well, thank you very much, and happy eagle watching. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you again. <laughs> All right. Bye-bye. Man, that is pretty cool, and I, I didn't realize if I scrolled down that you could see a little chat function here. People are mm-hmm. taking screenshots. Bella arriving to the nest oh, wow. this morning. It says she does not stay, so she needs her flying out. Got the picture of the two uh, eagles in the nest. This is Pretty cool. Baby getting fed there. Mm-hmm. This is all from today. Look at the sunrise. And you can, like, if you if you log on and they're brooding or just sitting on the nest, on the on the eaglet and the egg, you can scroll back. And I that's what I do. I scroll back till I find them feeding the little one. And it's so cute. And there's somebody here saying, at 2.55 this morning, Bella is awake. Weather, 37 degrees. Feels like 30. Windy, 12 to 18 miles per hour. A few minutes later, Bella has tucked herself in again, and off to sleep she goes. You know. This picture. The the whole backstory of, you know, there, there was trouble in the nest last That's year. so funny. And now, now Harmony has returned. Mm-mm-mm. Very neat. And happening just down the road, too, which is, which is uh, just as cool. Just as cool. But we'll step aside here for a few minutes. We'll come back, get a news roundup on Panhandle Live on WPM and WCST, the Panhandle News Network. Welcome back to Panhandle Live. Here are your hosts, Jordan Nicewarner and Marsha Kabalik. Welcome back to Panhandle Live, driven by Country Roads Tire and Auto and broadcasting from the Hoppy Kirchville building. Jordan Nicewarner alongside me, Marsh Kabalik. If you missed any of our conversation with Randy Robinson from the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service National Conservation Training Center uh, about the Eagle Cam. Uh, go back and listen to that a little bit later on. Very interesting stuff and um, very neat how they had this all set up. I Like you said, if he wouldn't have said anything about the chat and whatnot, uh, if you scroll down, ooh, you can see a chopped up fish in there too that they were eating. But um, very cool. So if you missed any of that, you can uh, listen back a little bit later on. I'm glad he said, you know, all, all of this was great information. I thought, okay, this is just how my mind, I thought they were little worms and they kept coming from one specific spot. So I thought, oh, they put all their little worms together. Mm-hmm. Just picking Just, the fish apart. Fish, okay. Yeah, picking that, it apart. Circle of life. Yeah, I guess Don't watch so. the wildlife cam if you don't want to see <laughs> circle of life. But anyways, it's what's so going cool. on uh, news-wise around here? All right, I want to direct your attention to panhandlenewsnetwork.com where there are a series of articles to keep you up to date 
Um, and one of the things I, I it gets some interest because it's going to be two months long. Um, the DOH contacted us, let us know that uh, there's going to be a two month long project set for I-81. Uh, it's going to have um, it's going to create alternating lane closures north and southbound on I-81 from mile markers two to seven. They're going to be doing the work um, beginning Sunday, and uh, the work is going to be in the uh, overnight. It's from 7 p.m. to 6 a.m. Sundays through Friday mornings. So they're trying to leave the weekends kind of free. Mm-hmm. Um, but the work is expected to be completed in two months. So just be aware that area is going to be boogered up for a while. Uh, I mean, this is easier said than done. Why can't they just do it in like the middle of the night? Uh, well, they are kind of doing it in the middle of the night. Why can't they always do it in the middle of the night? I don't know. You know? That's maybe my they, question. I don't know. Maybe they need to see. I, I don't know. Maybe we should get someone on from the yeah. Division of Highways. I mean, it sounds easy, right? But. Okay, up across the border in Washington County, apparently they had a string of thefts out of uh, unlocked vehicles, mm. sheds, um, garages, that kind of thing. And they caught uh, one adult and two juveniles. So that story is up as well. Um, our interview with the Berkeley County Schools Superintendent talking about how they prepare for um for active shooting uh, drills, how they, you know, through through the year they're they're talking about it. Um, and uh, the United Way is hosting on April 11th uh, at the Hilton Garden Inn in Martinsburg, a housing summit, which, um, you know, the, we talk about this all the time. Uh, it's hard to get a it's hard to get an apartment. It's hard to get housing. Mm-hmm. It's hard to afford those things. Um, you know, the United Way was part of the whole um, release of the Alice report recently that talked about even working families are struggling. So, you know, how do we fix these things? Right. So um, that's going to be happening, that conversation, uh, April 11th at the Hilton Garden Inn in Martinsburg. They do want you to register if you'd like to attend. The article is there at panhandlenewsnetwork.com. Perfect. So you were busy over there yesterday writing up stories. You had your hands full, it looked like. Yeah, yeah, it was a busy day. Well, we'll be chatting with Metro News' statewide correspondent Brad McElhenney here after the uh, break because, of course, West Virginia State Police, those investigations are uh, ongoing. And I do want to ask him, did you see um, Baby Dog Falls yesterday? No. Yeah, Baby Dog Falls is a new attraction. Uh, I'm assuming down the southern part of the state, but uh, I think it is. I have to look into it a little bit more. I saw it on the governor's Twitter yesterday, video of him and baby dog walking over a little bridge, and the sign said "Baby Dog Falls." Okay, I'm I misunderstood. I thought it was like ba- oh, baby dog had had suffered a fall. Oh no, waterfalls, okay. baby dog waterfalls. So I someone say. someone named. I think it's just a spot where they go hang out. And oh, okay. They renamed. It's not like a big waterfall. It's just like kind of a babbling brook very down cool. a hill, but very neat. So maybe that, he'll know something about that. That dog is living her best life. I'm telling you, man. I'm telling you. It does sound like a good time to be baby dog. Every day <laughs> sounds like a good day to be baby dog. We'll step aside and we'll be back with more Panhandle Live after this on WPM and WCST, the Panhandle News Network. Welcome back to Panhandle Live. Here are your hosts, Jordan Nicewarner and Marsha Kavalik. Welcome back to Panhandle Live, driven by Country Roads Tire and Auto. I'm Jordan Icewinter. Alongside me is Marsh Kavalik. And joining us on the line, Metro News statewide correspondent Brad McElhenney. Brad, how you doing? Good morning. I'm doing good. How are you? We're good. Doing all right. A little uh, concerned that it's only 36 degrees outside, but I guess that's how it goes this time of year. Happy first day of baseball season. It's 36 degrees. Yeah. <laughs> hey, who's your, so who's your team, Brad? 
Um, I I jumped on the Nationals train That's in it. 2018 when they miraculously won the World Series, and I've been disappointed ever since. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, I'm glad to hear I'm not the only Nats fan uh, in the Metro News family of networks, uh, especially not the only Nats fan that's going to be just in a slightly depressed state all year long because, well, they're not going to be very good. But it's baseball season nonetheless, so that always brings a, uh, a new sense of um, joy and hopefulness. But should we be hopeful about how things are uh, unfolding downstate? Uh <laughs> Uh, how, how can I place this delicately? Uh, if, if you're used to the way things normally are, that's that's about the way they are. Wow. So you, you attended a briefing with the governor. As you know, one of the things we're very concerned about with this whole state police investigation and the unfolding information is uh, that death of a pedestrian on I-81, February 12th, Edmund X Line 44 of Hagerstown, uh, apparently after a struggle with the state police. We have yet to see uh, or be released to us any of the footage from the body cam, but the governor made reference to it. And and so can you tell us kind of what, again, it sounded even more disturbing the way he characterized it. It did, and... So first of all, there's there's this sort of sub debate about public access to more information about what happened. The governor says he's seen this video. Uh, the the prior superintendent, Jane Cahill, described with with Hoppy Kirchival on Talkline, he saw it, but actually described it as as kind of difficult to see because it was dark, but that the audio was disturbing. We and other news outlets have have tried to get it. Uh, Local authorities have denied access, and uh, the governor and his office have have also denied access. The governor expanded on that yesterday to to a direct question, and he said, well, the, the local prosecutor is asking us not to release this video to the public because it's potentially evident. State authorities have alluded to both an employment investigation for the troopers involved there and a criminal investigation. So uh, still a lot at stake, but, you know, in, in the court of public opinion, it's, it's just very difficult to understand what happened. The governor, who is one of the few of us who, who apparently watched this video, uh, said it's concerning, to say the least. And then he went on to say... You've got a trooper in the dark with somebody walking down the interstate. And the governor said they shouldn't have been there on the interstate. He said, but somebody's walking down the interstate and a trooper in the dark with traffic flying by. And then the governor said, now, granted, these people are supposed to be trained to handle all this. Kind of leaving that hanging, you know, I think his message was that even under very stressful and chaotic situations, uh, the dark, an, an unknown citizen approaching, the traffic rushing by, that a trained police officer should be able to process and handle all that in, in an effective and appropriate manner. But clearly that is questionable based on our knowledge that there is uh, a two-pronged investigation, an employment investigation and a criminal investigation. Obviously, we can't litigate it here, and, and we don't have the body cam uh, footage anyway, but um, the Herald Mail has, has done a good job talking to some of the family members of 
of the man in question who, who died after that struggle and said that, you know, the initial call came in that there was an intoxicated person along the interstate. And they said, well, our loved one wouldn't have been drinking. He had, uh, he was very paranoid or scared. I, I shouldn't say paranoid, but he was concerned about uh, being in any kind of uh, confrontation with the police. He was very uh, careful about not drinking. So um, these that, that's all information probably the trooper wouldn't have had. So all of this has to be, I guess, um, you know, looked into. That body cam footage probably would shed some light on it. But do you have any information about how many troopers might be involved and if if one or more of them are on administrative leave? Or uh, did the governor release any of that kind of information? You know, I'm going to rely on my own flawed memory here. So keep that in mind, gentle listeners. But I, I think there was a previous statement of three state police personnel under investigation. My flawed memory indicates that might come from the Cahill interview, the, the former superintendent from last week on Talkline, I, I think described three state police personnel under investigation. But I could be wrong, which is a dangerous place to go on live radio. Um, The question that I have kind of had is, this is clearly, one way or another, a death like this is a tragedy. And because we know so little, I'm not ready necessarily to place blame. But it's been enveloped into this broader state police situation that involves the sudden resignation of the superintendent and I, I just have not had the governor or anybody else indicate to me why this is not viewed as an isolated incident rather than what it seems to have become, which is some sort of evidence about the way the state, state police culture is. Um, you know, it's being lumped in with an investigation of an of a trooper walking off with with. $700 in an envelope at the, the casino in, in Nitro in Kanawha County, as well as a investigation of a 2015-2016 camera that was placed in a locker room at the state police training barracks at training facility in an institute. And so th- these are all kind of lumped together, and I, I just don't quite get the vibe of, of why they're being viewed as the same thing. To, to me, they're very different, and although tragic, the I-81 incident is, is so new and so fresh, I, I, I have trouble making conclusions about the way it would reflect more broadly on the state police across West Virginia. Well, I think it would be helpful for folks here in the Eastern Panhandle to know if there's a trooper who is, or more than one trooper under investigation, if those folks are still out on the road and look, you know, Panhandle Live, we, we support police officers. We support law enforcement. Uh, but you know, we also support, uh, investigations into any, you know, potential wrongdoing and, and, you know, people have real concerns if they're out on the interstate and there's uh, a state trooper who, who might have that shadow of suspicion over him actively out on the roads. It would be, I think it would behoove them to let us know whether or not uh, those troopers are under administrative leave currently or if they're still out on active duty. Yeah, that is a good question. And the governor did describe, and I'm going to say, a completely separate 
but there there were some high-ranking state police personnel officers who have been bumped down at headquarters in in the Charleston area. Uh, And there was a lot of discussion about that in yesterday's briefing. Uh, They they are not accused of of involvement in a fatality or anything else. It's, It's more of a management and leadership issue. But the point I'm making is the governor and his administration have been more upfront about those folks in leadership positions than they have been in what has happened with the troopers you described. Um, it's, it's an interesting contrast. So of course, you can follow Brad's uh, work at WVMetroNews.com. I didn't ask, and I should have asked if you have time to answer another question. I know there was some bill signing going on and some not bill signing uh, about like the, the, the transfer bill. Uh, any, any insight on that? Yeah, I was waiting all day to figure out what was going on with that. And I thought it was an interesting situation because not only is the governor the chief executive, but he is a basketball coach at Greenbrier East High School. And to me, that made it you know, a challenging decision for him. What he said in, in his briefing yesterday in response to a question by me, and then what he said in a statement last night is he had a hard time deciding. The bill affecting transfers wound up being lumped in with a different athletics policy, which was that kids who get HOPE scholarships to go to private school or other alternative schools like uh, micro schools or uh, learning hubs, they can, learning pods, they can, they can be eligible because of their HOPE scholarship if their school that they choose to go to doesn't offer a team, wrestling, volleyball, lacrosse, whatever, they can go to the local public school and participate. The governor liked that aspect. He was favorable. But lumped in was this broader transfer where you get a one-time transfer if you're a high school kid for any reason. And he does not like that, thinking it's going to, you know, expand the gap between competitiveness for for schools in West Virginia, that the haves will have more and the have-nots will have less. So he was deeply conflicted conversationally and when he finally decided what to do about this bill and let it go into law without his signature. Uh, put out a statement about it last night and, uh, you know, just in, in, in hearing his comments, he was just very torn about what to do. Well, we're speaking with Metro News statewide correspondent Brad McElhenney. One last thing before we let you go. Have you been watching any of this Eagle Cam at all? I saw Marsha's story and... I have not watched the Eagle Cam, but in more stressful moments of the day, I think I gotta watch that Eagle Cam. <laughs> There's a PEIA public hearing or a meeting this afternoon about finally what to do regarding um, increased premiums. And so when I get you know stressed out and zoned out about that, maybe I'll switch over to the Eagle Cam. Yeah, and it's nice too because if you just leave, you don't even have to watch it; just leave the sound on. You get the nice uh, nature sounds and whatnot in the background. It's nice. Oh, that might chill me out. That's a great idea. Thank you. <laughs> there you go. Well, again, speaking with Metro News Statewide Correspondent Brad McElhenney, thank you for joining us this morning. Take care, you guys. Thank Take you. Care. Man, that Eagle Cam, I'm telling you, it's a wonder. A wonder I love of the it. world. I love it. Absolutely. Well, if you missed any of that conversation with Metro News' statewide correspondent, Brad McElhenney, you can listen back to it a little bit later on. I'm sure at some point he'll probably be on uh, Hoppy's show with Dave Wilson um, today or tomorrow or 
at some point this week. He's always on there. He's always all over I'm the airwaves. I'm pretty sure he's on with Dave today. I'm sure. But we'll step aside one final time. We'll come back and wrap things up here on Panhandle Live on WPM and WCST, the Panhandle News Network. Taking local stories and sharing them with the four state. This is Panhandle Live with hosts Jordan Nice Warner and Marsha Kavalik. Welcome back to Panhandle Live, driven by Country Roads Tire and Auto, taking you home with full-service auto care with a higher level of care. Two locations to proudly serve you in Martinsburg and Hedgesville. Online to countyroadstireonline.com. Jordan Ice Winter alongside me is Marsh Kavalik. It is baseball season. It is back in full swing. The high school season's already uh, up and running. Yeah, college baseball already up and running. Youth baseball. I think my nephew, he had his, well, he did have his first game um, over the weekend, but I think he's got some other one. I think he might have. Well, it's supposed to rain this weekend. The same one that was playing basketball, right? Right, right. Yeah, I think there's some rain coming on Saturday. Oh, nice. Well, that was when his next game's going to be, I think. I don't think. Well, yeah, Friday, Saturday rain. Sweet. Well, the the soccer kids often play in the rain. Well, as do the baseball kids, too, but it's, uh, as you know, rain, you know, the first week or the first couple of days of uh april feels a little different than the rain in mm-hmm. june july yep. august absolutely my question for the baseball moms is how do you get those uniforms clean after a rain all that mud if susan would ever come on the air with us she'd probably, probably have a good some, idea yeah she probably has some secrets now, i hear um we were just talking about car washes i hear that the way to go is you take you know especially the white white pants Mm-hmm. Take them to the car wash, and you know where you can uh, like clip your mats onto mm-hmm. the wall, and then power wash your mats. Uh-huh. Clip the pants to the wall, power wash the pants. Remove the child from the pants first. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay. Unless they had a bad game, <laughs> they can leave them in there. They didn't play very well. Just leave them in there, and they'll be fine. But yeah, you power wash, uh, power wash the pants. That's not a bad idea. Okay, that could apply to other things now. Yeah. 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 That's so, really cool. That's how, from what I hear. Laundry tips with Jordan Nicehorner. <laughs> yeah. On the Panhandle News Network. You don't want my laundry tips. I still have it unpacked <laughs> from vacation a week ago. Yep, this time last week, Marshall. Only, it's only going to get worse because I've done this before. Mm-hmm. If you, that that luggage will just sit there hmm. Well, this time, reminding you of the time that was. This time last week, I mm. was uh, sitting on a, a beachside bar looking across the... Uh, Gulf of Mexico. That's so cool. Now I'm that sitting. sounds like a country song. It, I, that's all I heard was country. If I don't know, let's do were, another country it's song. It's because you were in Tampa. You were If you were at Miami Beach, it would have been a different vibe. If I don't, yeah, exactly. If I don't listen to another country song for a while, I'm good with that. I'm good with that. But yeah, it was that was nice. It was 85 degrees. Now I'm sitting at a radio station desk. Did you get to... Looking at nice pictures of uh, uh-huh. nature on the TV. Did you get to, to meet anyone or see yeah. any of the oh, players? So, um, I meant to bring this up. Uh, who did I meant to bring this up to? I can't remember who I was going to say this to. I don't, don't know if it was you, but I'll tell you now. Anyways, um, we ended up going to a couple uh, different American legions down around there. Cause, uh, the American Legion Tour yeah, 2023. Because yeah. when I was a kid, like uh, my dad and then my buddy who we were down there seeing, uh, my dad and his dad were coaches for the local Legion team. So growing up, I mean, we were always at the Legion mm-hmm. or either at the field or at the Legion itself, getting dinner or hanging out or whatever. So went to the uh, American Legion in, I think it's the Madeira Beach. 
American Legion. But when I tell you that place was awesome, it was so cool. It was right on the water. Like you walk into the Legion, walk past the bar, right outside, boom, there's water, beach, everything right in wow. front of you. People sitting out. There was dolphins, you know, swimming around and stuff. I was like, man, lot, this is a lot nicer than any other American <laughs> Legion I've, I've ever been in. View of the parking lot. <laughs> hey, a tiki bar. I mean, it was incredible. It just people that live at the beach just are on a completely different frequency than everybody else. You completely different. So, any good radio jobs down there? You thinking about? <laughs> I don't know. It's going expensive. following the sun. It is expensive down there. And only getting more expensive. I think I saw, I was watching the news one morning, like the average rent in uh, like Tampa is, I think like $2,000, $3,000. Wow. For just like an apartment, just like a so normal just little to, apartment. A few beach bums get together and live in an apartment. Yeah. That's what you Now, I can do, get but... down with that. I can get down with that. Yeah. Be a beach bum to stand on the beach all day. Mm-hmm. As long as the sand doesn't follow me around. I did get locals only once though. Because oh. it's very locals only in Florida right now, from what I understand. Like, if you're not, they got, there's billboards up that says, uh, don't come here, we're full, like things like uh-huh. that. And um, we were waiting to get on a tiki boat, go figure. So we were sitting at a tiki bar, and uh, the lady comes up to me and she goes, Yeah, you, you know, you can't sit there, yada, yada, yada. <gasps> what? And I'm like, Okay, whatever. So I go to the other side, and then not five minutes later, these two locals come by, sit right down. They're like, Oh, hey. Doing nice to see you. That was their re- that was their reserved spot. I know. I was you were, like, you were in their spot. It's like, are you kidding me? But that that wasn't a locals thing. That's just a no, Jim and I Bob got... have been here for twenty five years. That, don't Their take it personally. Like leather. Yeah, like, yeah. That that leather skin. That should tell there. you everything you need to know. Mm-hmm. They probably run a boat. And I was like, whatever, mm-hmm. man. Like whatever. I'm. I'll play the locals only game if you mm-hmm. want to play the locals only game. So now you're just offended. Well, are so? Do you? Are you? kind of grandfathered into the locals only of Florida because no. you've been going down there for so long? <laughs> no. Why not? No. I mean, I'm just local by default, if anything. So, cause, True. cause I'm married into it, but yeah, no, they'd take one look at me and no, I don't fit in <laughs> to the beach life. <laughs> well, it seems like it's very, um, it's very like East coast central oh, yeah. West coast oh, divided. Yeah. It you is know? very dichotomized. Yeah. Very much so. But Florida is Florida is Florida, and it's not um, 36 degrees. That's right. In most parts of Florida, I imagine this That's morning. That's right. Well, it's a cold opening day for baseball. So if you uh, can get out of work a little early, go watch a couple ball games, go do that. That's what I'm, I'm, I might try to do that as well. Don't tell the boss. But for Marsha, I'm Jordan. It's been Pain Handle Live. Uh, Hoppy with Dave Wilson is next. Have a good one. We will talk to you tomorrow. WEPM Martinsburg and WCST Berkeley Springs, a WVRC media station. We're proud to live here, too.